0: Kind of flopping around a little bit with the idea of the uniqueness of the God that we serve. The uniqueness of the God that we serve. And here in a little bit we'll focus in on one main point that can really just change. It's foundational to our spiritual life. Isaiah 45, 5 and 6. While you're flipping, I'm gonna go ahead and read this. It says, I am the Lord and there is no other besides me there is no guide I equip you though you do not know me that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me I am the Lord and there is no other there are many misconceptions about guide both outside the walls of the church and inside the walls of the church one of those primary misconceptions takes our Christian faith and it pushes it into all the other man-made religions there have ever been throughout history. The primary, mis- primary misconception is that we are trying to work our way to please God. The view is simply this, we have displeased God, we have fallen, we are separated, and therefore we must work 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 to try to earn the favor of god and when you look at the religions of the world that is precisely what happens in every one of them religion is about what man does but i want you to remember our faith is not on what we do but it's on what god does amen if you are saved this morning it's not on your merit it's not on your works it's not on your goodness it's on nothing good on you it is only on the work of God. We are the ones who receive the benefit. God is the one who works for us. See, that, that's what I want you to understand. God works for you. It's not that he is uh, your servant boy. It's not that he is at your beckoning call. It is that he loves you. He cares for you. And so he is doing all the effort on your account. Isaiah 46, verse 4. It says, "Even to your old age, I am He, and the gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, I will carry, and I will save." I feel like so many times in our spiritual life we are so self-centered when we should be God-centered. When you look at Isaiah 45, it's not talking about what man does, but over and over again, it's talking about what God has done. Listen, your purpose, your meaning, and your identity, they only come through God. Your meaning, purpose, identity, and fulfillment, God is the only one who can provide these things. Your job will never fulfill you. Your money will never satisfy you. Your hobbies will never give you an identity. And so many people are chasing after these things, believing that it's going to bring some type of satisfaction, but it never does because the world cannot satisfy, only God can. And as believers, as children of God, we've got to realize this. Galatians 5 speaks of walking in the Spirit of God. What do I do? My job is to simply walk in the Spirit of God, to relinquish control, to say, God, you are the boss of my life, and I'm going to serve, and I'm going to follow you. But if we're honest, that's really hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to surrender. It's hard to give up control. Why is that? Why is it so difficult? We may not would say it, but the reason is we're afraid that God will do a worse job than we will. We trust ourselves more than we trust God. And so we go through our life and we control things and we hold on to things and we follow our own will and not the will of God. I want you to look. I know we've been little few places in Isaiah. Look at Isaiah 64. I want you to see this. Isaiah 64, verse 4, and this will really set us up for the next few moments. God is unique. God works for his people. Now look at Isaiah 64, verse 4. It says, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear, No, I have seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. You are a unique God. No one has seen a God like you who acts, or maybe your translation says, who works for those who wait for him. In this verse, it says that God is going to work for his people, but there is one requirement, just one requirement, and it has nothing to do with church attendance, although I'm glad you're here this morning. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with service. It has nothing to do with personal accomplishments or self-esteem or living your best life now. Isaiah says that God will work for those who simply wait for him. Now, some of you, you don't like that, do you? I, I don't like that. I'm not patient. Anybody here, you just really not patient yeah, I see, yeah, I am so impatient. My wife would probably tell you that I'm the most impatient person that she knows. I find that I'm always in a hurry. I, I can't just stop and do nothing. There's always something that needs to be done. And so I'm always going from one thing to the next to the next. The waiting room is a land where time seems to stand still. Time comes to a halt. I was at the doctor's office a while back, and I felt like I had been there for hours, And I looked at my watch, and I'd been there 15 minutes. It's hard to wait. It's hard to just hold back and do nothing. But the verse before us says that God acts or God works for those who wait upon him. So therefore, we know that waiting on God is supremely important. So how do we do that? How do we wait for God? As much as we don't like it, we wait all the time. We wait to fall asleep at night. You ever wake up in the middle of the night and then you watch the clock and you're thinking, if I fall asleep right now, I get four more hours of sleep. And then you keep waiting and you're watching the clock and you can't fall asleep. And so now it's three and a half hours. Lord, please let me fall asleep. And you just, you wait. Anybody here have an addiction to Amazon deliveries? Some of you do. And there's always packages coming that you are waiting on you wait for the paycheck to hit your bank you wait for a vacation at our house we are counting down the days to summer break and so we cannot wait for summer break to get here we wait for all sorts of things in life but here we're told that we are to wait for god primarily we wait for god when we are in trouble If you look at the context of the verse we read, we will see that they are in trouble. And it's especially true in our lives when we are in a difficult spot that we must wait upon God. To wait upon God implies two things. Number one, it implies that we are completely dependent upon God. That's where we need to be as believers, completely dependent upon God. We have no other help We can't fix it on our own. We are helpless until he acts. We can't fix it. We can't manipulate it. It is broken. To wait on him means that all of my hope, all of my confidence is in God. It proclaims that I'm helpless. I cannot fix this on my own. You ever been at a moment in life that you were helpless? There's nothing you could do any longer? Listen, we we all find ourselves in that spot. When I'm talking about waiting, I'm not saying that we don't do anything. Sometimes we do all that we can, and there's still no solution. There's still no answer, and so we wait. Maybe it's a a mama who's got a child who is lost, a child who has ran away from the faith. And that mama has prayed and prayed and prayed, but not just prayed, that mama has talked and talked and talked. That mama has done all that she knows how to do until she is left with nothing else. And at that point, all she can do is trust and wait on God. It could be in your life that there's a marriage problem and you're doing all that you can, but it seems like your spouse is not receptive. And so you're trying to follow God. You're trying to walk in the Spirit, but it seems like everything's falling short and so you're left simply with the idea of waiting upon God. It could be a broken relationship. It could be a job problem that you're looking and you're saying, God, I need something. I need you to provide something. I'm doing all that I can, but I've got nothing left. God, all I know to do in this moment is to... Is to wait maybe it's a health concern and you don't know what to do and you're struggling and you're nervous and you're anxious and the Lord says just wait upon me there are a lot of times in life that we don't want to but we must wait wait means that we trust him through the process Number two, willingness to allow him to decide the terms. When we're waiting, it means that we're not in charge, we're not in control. And so we understand that God is the one in charge. He is the one in control. Sometimes our life takes a detour and it goes in a direction that we wish it would not. Amen? We face problems. We face trials and tribulations, and we've got this chart marked out for our life. But sometimes an audible is called, and we end up going down a detour. And, and that's true in the, in the Bible. You remember, the Bible tells us that Paul had a thorn in the flesh. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Anybody got something in your life that you wish God would take away? Paul does. A thorn in the flesh, it it, it irritates him over and over and over again. And I love that the Bible doesn't tell us what it is. Maybe you struggle with depression. Maybe the thorn is depression. Lord, would you take this away? Maybe it's anxiety. Lord, would you take this away? Maybe it's a health problem. Lord, would you take this away? And so three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. There are times you want things to change, and maybe it won't, or maybe it will later Sometimes life seems really messed up. Sometimes we don't understand God. I'm sure that's true in this room. There are times that things happen and we don't understand God. But I want you to remember that your view is limited. My view is limited. It's like if I gave you a thousand-piece puzzle and I gave you one piece of the puzzle and I asked you, what is the picture? You would have no way of knowing because your view is limited. Listen, our view is limited, but God's is not. Amen? He sees the beginning from the end. He knows all that's taking place, all that's going on. And so the best thing for us to do is to to surrender and say, God, I trust you even when it doesn't make sense. I'll give you an example of that. Uh, I know we've got to hurry, but John chapter 11, we see Jesus and Lazarus. It says in 11 verse 1, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. And so there are these two sisters, Mary and Martha, and when their brother is sick, what do they do? They send word to Jesus and they expect that Jesus will come immediately. They send word. Jesus, the one whom you love, is ill and they're expecting him to come. There's a lot of times in life that we have an expectation upon God, but Jesus doesn't come, Jesus waits. The Bible says that because he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he delayed in coming for a few days. And when he finally arrives, Mary and Martha are thinking, Lord, if you had only been here, you could have done something. In their view, it's too late now. Lord, why did you let us down? Why did you not come? Why did we have to wait for you? Our view shows that this is disaster. There's nothing good that can come from this. And maybe that's where you are in life right now. You feel maybe let down by God. Lord, if you would have come, if you'd have come sooner, if you would have heard my prayers sooner, good things could have happened. But I feel like you ignored me. But we know the rest of the chapter in John chapter 11, don't we? We know that Jesus does come. Jesus goes to that tomb when it seems like all hope is lost. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus stands up and they unbind him, and Lazarus is alive. You see, there are times in life that we wait and it seems like we have to wait too long. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And maybe when all hope seems lost, that's when the Lord intervenes and does something so big so that he can get all the glory. So I want to just encourage you with this what you're going through right now, don't give up on God. Waiting is part of the process. He's the one in charge on the timetable. It's not me and it's not you. We wish things would happen oh so quickly, but a lot of times they don't. The man of faith, the woman of faith is going to stand strong in belief no matter the circumstances of life. And so if you find yourself today on top of the world, have a strong faith. If you find yourself today and things look really grim and things look really bad, still keep the faith because God is in control. You see, when we wait upon God, it removes self-reliance. It means that I can't do it. And the longer that I live, the more I realize there are so many things that I cannot fix. We're broken. The world is broken. It's messed up. Friday was one of those days. I'm usually off on Fridays, and then I got the call around lunch to go and be there with miss pat and i just thought man the world is so broken and that afternoon we were at the restaurant and i got the call to go see kelly and i thought my gosh this world is so broken i can't do anything you can't do anything all we can do is wait upon god isaiah 40 verses 30 and 31 it says even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted but they who wait for the lord shall renew their strength They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Again, what's the key? To wait upon God. When you feel like you're exhausted, when you feel like you have no strength, when you feel like all is a loss and you want to regain some of it, just wait upon God. Trust God. He's the one that's got the tools. Have you ever tried to do a job with the improper tool? It it makes it so frustrating to do. If you want to dig a hole, you've got to have a shovel. You want to mow the grass, you've got to have a lawnmower. Go try to dig a hole with a spoon. It's going to leave you exhausted. Try to mow the grass with scissors. It's not going to go so well. Your resources are limited, but remember, God's are not. He's in control, so we trust him. What happens when we fail to wait upon God? Go to Genesis 15. Turn quickly. We're about out of time, but go to Genesis 15, first book of the Bible. You can find it. What happens when we fail to wait upon God? We depend upon ourselves rather than depending upon God. What are the results of this? Genesis 15, I want to ask you to look at verse 5 and following. And it says this, verse 5 and 6. And he brought him outside. We're talking about Abraham. And he said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you're able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. God made a covenant. He made a promise with Abraham. And he goes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, look up. Do you see the stars? That's how vast your descendants are going to be. It's an amazing promise from God. But now flip to chapter 16. The next page in your Bible, I'm sure, we're in chapter 15. You go to chapter 16, verse 1, and look at what happens. It says, Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had bore him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. The very next chapter, Sarai is impatient. I don't know how much time passed between 15 and 16. I'm assuming not a great amount of time, but I don't know that. The very next chapter, she grows impatient. Look at verse 2. And so Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai verse 4 and he went into Hagar and she conceived and when she saw that she had conceived she looked with contempt upon her mistress and Hagar bore Abram a son and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael that was not the plan of God it was not the will of God this couple took things in their own hand they saw the obstacle they got tired of waiting lord i can't wait any longer I want to have my children and you're taking too long and so they totally bypassed the will of God they took things in their own hands and I want you to understand we still have the consequences of that today you can trace back from Ishmael from this birth to way it brought tribulation upon the world even to today all because two folks got outside the will of God because they were impatient Listen, when we fail to wait upon God, we bring trouble upon our life. Maybe something that you're up against and you you say, I'm just tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting. And so you're trying to take it in your own hands. And if you do, it very well could lead to disaster. Psalm 106, 13, but they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. See, it may be in life, it may be that God tells you to do nothing, and it may be that God tells you to do something. This is what it comes down to when we walk in the spirit of God. I'll give you an example of that, and we're going to have to close with this pretty quickly. But Isaiah chapter 30, Thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved, and quietness and in trust shall be your strength in what in returning and rest sometimes sometimes we're told to do nothing but to wait and trust God. for some of us that's hard we like to have our little checklist and to-do list and make everything right and make it right really quickly but sometimes we must wait now there are other times that we're told to be people of action. Exodus 14, fear not, stand firm, and behold the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. The Lord will fight. Again, God's the one who works for us. Second Samuel chapter 5, 19, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them in my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. There's times we wait, There's time that God works, and then there's times that God uses us to work. And when we walk in the Spirit, we're able to discern between the two. And in doing so, we find ourselves right in the center of the will of God. Imagine if you think about your life, you will think of times that you made things worse trying to make them better. Amen? Never ever happened for you? It's because you weren't walking in the Spirit of God. He will discern when to move and when to be still, when to talk and when to simply pray. He will give you those things. We serve a guide who works on our behalf. And when we understand that, it'll change everything. You're not trying to gain the approval of God by being here this morning. It doesn't work like that. We don't have time, but I want to just give you a, a few points from Psalm 50. Maybe later today you can read it. Psalm 50, maybe jot that down. When you go and look at it, and you look at verses 8 through 13, you're going to see that God does not need you. God doesn't need you. The Israelites are talking about their sacrifices that they make. God, you are so blessed by me. And God says, I don't need your animals. I've got every animal on the face of the earth. Your little sheep, your livestock, it means nothing to me. Listen, God does not need you. God does not need me. Shall we never be arrogant and prideful to think that God is blessed by us? God God is not dependent upon us. We are dependent upon God. And then you're going to see in that chapter that you are a receiver. It says if you're going to offer a sacrifice to God, let it be a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Realize that God has blessed your life. Anyone in here blessed by God? Amen and amen. That's us. We are receivers. We're the beneficiary. God has poured out blessings upon us. And so our praise is a praise of thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for your goodness in my life. The last thing you'll see in Psalm 50, verse 15, it says, And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. You know, sometimes in life, we get upset when folks call us and they need something, right? Somebody calls and says, hey, I need something out of you. We kind of don't like it. But here the Bible says this, call upon me when you're in trouble. You're going through a difficult time, call upon me. I will deliver you and I will be glorified through it. I love that you've got something going on wait upon God call upon him he's got the resources to deliver you and when that happens he gets all the glory from it when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea who got the glory from it God at the Passover who got the glory from it God at the walls of Jericho when they're waiting and they're walking around the the structure here and the walls come tumbling down who gets the glory God does that's the picture. We wait on him. We trust in him, and he works for her. He delivers his people. Let me ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. It's really a simple thought for us this morning, the idea of waiting upon God. And maybe you're at a spot, and that's really tough. It's tough to wait upon God. And maybe this message was just for you. You're trying to do all that you can, you're trying to work through it. It doesn't mean be lazy, but it means trust God. You can't fix it on your own, so trust and depend upon God. Think about it, where do you need that in your life? Maybe it's a relationship problem, maybe it's a job problem, maybe you're disappointed, maybe you're let down, maybe you're at the end of your little rope and you don't have anything else to pull on. Wait upon God. Maybe you don't know where to turn next and the news looks grim, it looks bad, and you can remember Lazarus and the sisters. You don't have the whole picture, so wait upon God. Trust God. That's the life of a believer, to trust in God. That's what a man and a woman of faith does. Lord, I pray that we will be people of faith. We will wait upon you. We'll follow your lead and we'll follow your direction And, Lord, that you'll be honored and glorified in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you act on our behalf, that we are the receivers, and you are the giver. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.